Speed. Chaos. NASCAR. You're listening to NASCAR at Night, only on The Alternative Edge. And now, it's time to start your engines. Here's Joshua Tigges and Evan Brinks. Coming off one heck of a weekend, I'm still pumped up about this past weekend with a 500 speed weeks. Welcome everyone in to NASCAR at night. I'm Joshua Tickets, joined here by Evan Brinks. And man, I don't know about you, but I'm still fired up about how the way that 500 ended. Yeah, it was quite the finish to it. It was. It was quite the race too. You know, we'll get into that quite a bit uh, and everything. Obviously, that's going to be the big focal point um, of this whole kind of first half of the show here is focusing yep. on the 500 uh, and speed weeks as a whole. So why don't we just dive right into it? So first off for the Daytona 500, thinking back on it this past year, let's say on a scale of one to 10, what would you rate it as? A five or a six, I would say. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, it was a lot of two lane where nobody could pass at all. That is true. For so long. Yeah, that is true. Um, Denny Hamlin, hit the nail on the head when he made that prediction uh, mm-hmm. that majority of the race was going to be uh, two by two. Um, for me, I'd say I would, I'd give it a good solid seven and a half or eight. Um, <laughs> really that high? Yeah. Because I, th- I, I enjoyed the race. I thought it was a decent race. You know, I did get kind of tired of just a two by two that that mm-hmm. third lane just doesn't work with this package. Nope. Um, but I still thought it was a fairly good event. I don't know. I think, I don't know. It might even have the third best uh, super speedway race racing of the three super speedways. I think uh, Dega okay. and Atlanta okay. are better. I, I do have to agree with that. Um, Daytona as a super speedway, it's, it's a good track because of its history. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Talladega is wide enough where you have that third lane that you can easily run. Um, and then Atlanta is, is the opposite, but the second lane works so well that they're always changing positions and lanes. Yeah. Atlanta is just unique because it's a mile and a half. That's yes. a super speedway, which I still have opinions about, uh, but we'll save that for when we get <laughs> to Atlanta. Um, but yeah, think about this past 500, you know, there was, I didn't really notice it, but there was a lot of lead changes in this race. What was there? At one point, wasn't there like over 38 or something? It was getting up there with some of uh, either tying or whatever for the most in history um, with uh, lead changes in the 500. So that's something that I found really interesting, especially with there only being two lanes that worked. Um, I didn't really expect for there to be that many uh, changes for the lead. No, 21 drivers held the lead between 52 times. Yeah, so, so 52, yeah. 52 lead changes. Um, that's... That's big and that's wild. I did not expect that going into this event or going into this race. Um, but it was all kicked off with the longest green flag run to start a 500 in recent memory. It's got to be the past five or six races there. At least it was a decent finish or decent run all the way up to the end of stage one. Yeah. Yep. All, yeah. Past stage one, even into stage two a little ways. I think, what was it like? around a lap 100 or 130 or something. That Blaney um, got taken out. Yeah, yep, that there was that situation with Blaney. Uh, so I was really surprised with how uh, that 
how long we had that first green flag run. Um, but then obviously when that first uh, caution came out, my guy was taken out right away. Yeah. So that kind of put a thorn in the side for the rest of the race for me. Um, but regardless, it was still a really good event. I still really enjoyed it. Um, you, your driver or drivers, um, they had they had you uh, cheering on the entire race. Yeah, both Jimmy Johnson and Chase, or not Chase Elliott, sorry, Kyle Larson were doing very well throughout the race. Jimmy was finding his way into the top 10 pretty easily. He was sixth or fifth at one point. I think he could have easily taken the lead out. He not got caught up in a ca- caution right at the end of the race to ca- to form the first overtime. Yeah. And then Kyle Larson pushing Ricky Stenhouse all the way to victory <laughs> and then gets wrecked right at the end. Yeah. Unlucky. Yep, he got uh, in that little sucker hole there in that middle lane there on yep. that last lap, um, which we saw so often when it came down to the end of the stages and ultimately to the end of the race as well. Um, but it was really cool to see them run up front, um, to see Jimmy run as well as he did. Yes. That was just super awesome to see. And you, they mentioned it on the broadcast as well, that when he got back into this car and ran the duels and stuff, he told his team that this just felt right. Um, yeah. And Jimmy Johnson in a stock car just, just sounds right. right. Yes. Yep. It's just right. Um, so I I really enjoyed seeing him out there. I do have to admit, I was kind of hoping that he could pull it off too, because what a heck of a story that would be uh, if he could come into here, come in to the 500 after what, two, two, two going full on? Years yeah, off. two full years off, come in and pull off a 500 victory with a new team with not a new team uh, but a team he just jumped on board with that would be huge yeah it would have been huge to get that 84th win right away he would have had to change his number to 85 (laughs) yeah yeah but ultimately he didn't get the win like you mentioned Kyle Larson pushed Ricky Stenhouse Jr. out there to that victory um and I I'll have to admit I kind of wrote off Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I know he is always a threat at super speedways um he's very aggressive at super speedways but it pays off for him. As we've seen, he has got his third super speedway win. Um, I kind of wrote him off because, I'm going to be honest, I kind of <laughs> forgot about that JTG uh, Doherty team. Yeah, that team is rarely something that you think about. They're only competitive every f- a few races every year, and yeah. most of them are on the super speedways. And it's like Ricky Stenhouse knows when to not let off the gas, basically, it feels like. Yeah. Yep, he knows when to take risks. Yes. Um, like they've been saying all, all weekend last weekend, risk risk versus reward. Um, and he knows how to work that masterfully. Um, and it was it was really shocking to me that he won just because they like never mentioned his name throughout his broadcast no. throughout the broadcast at all, which in some time in some cases is a good thing because you're just doing your own thing, you're just sitting there waiting for the end. Um, that's what a lot of these races are is yep. Who has the most patience? Who's willing to make it to the end um, and everything? And that's what all that's what all the drivers say. They don't say they want to be leading on the last lap or whatever. They say they just want a chance. They just want to be up towards the front, towards the end of the race. Yeah, and a lot of the past winners, like Denny Hamlin's won three times. You don't hear his name at all until the end of the race when yeah. he is 
sat in the back and avoided all the cautions. It's yep. it, it comes down to can you avoid the cautions to be there at the end? Exactly, yeah. But the new next-gen car with the uh, package that they have in them has kind of changed up that mentality a little bit um, because Denny Hamlin even mentioned it too. I, I heard him mention it on pre-race and stuff. You can't wait until like the second to last lap or the last lap to make your moves with these cars because they only work with those two lanes. You have to have people to go with you. You got to start making your moves if you're towards the back of the pack with five to go, six to go and stuff. You need time for that to formulize to make your way back up to the front. Which kind of felt like, I thought it kind of felt like that with the older cars too. You couldn't just make it all the way up within a lap or two. You needed to be within like the top five. Yeah. But it's especially with these cars, you can see where second or where third and fourth together will pull out and pass first and second. And that's the big move that gets made at the end of the race. Yeah. Yeah, but let's talk about this package a little bit more, the Super Speedway package in these cup cars. Uh, we saw it this past weekend with the 500. It was 2 by 2 the entire time. Now, I do have to admit, it was good not to see single file racing. Um, we didn't have that train rolling around the, the top side. Yeah, I was thankful for that. Um, but the 2 by 2 racing and stuff, I mean, I'm not going to complain about it. Um, but you kind of watch these races for the three-wide racing <laughs> and stuff. And it seems like with these cars, they either can't do it or they're not willing to commit to doing it. You know what else we don't see anymore? Tandem? Pack breakaway. Yeah, everyone stays together. We don't have that big lead pack draft. No, you can't have like 10 cars break away from the field. And yep. it's never that. It's always, you, you. even if they start to break away... Within a couple laps, the cars will all be back together again. Yeah, they, they were talking about that on the broadcast, mm -hmm. the bubble. Um, you don't want to get too far out from that bubble because then they suck you right back in. And then behind you, they have all that momentum yep. and stuff. So it this new car has introduced a new twist um, to super speedway racing. Yeah, I believe there was a point with where Jimmy was in about 12th. And I was noticing that the first 11 cars had all gapped about i don't know i'm using my hands and i'm using like two or three feet but i really mean like a third of the straightaway they were ahead by a good portion yep. but within two laps jimmy was right on their bumper and there mm -hmm. was no way for the packs to s separate no uh, and we even saw that with kind of like a hybrid tandem type of yes. thing that was going on there especially the with teammates rfk blew me away with how they were able to dominate at least the second half of this race yeah kozlowski sat on busher's bumper for about 90 percent of the second half of the race yeah he went on to win stage two because yep. of that uh and you knew you knew busher wasn't going to leave his bumper no. um so they were just stuck out there and they were quite literally commanding the race yes uh which was i mean it was cool to see especially for them um, but like we mentioned with the inability to run that third lane, it kind of became very predictable in a sense on what was going to happen here. You knew everyone was just going to wait and just ride things out, uh, until the end of the stages and stuff, which kind of made it for the first half of this race to be pretty Boring. meh. Yep. Yeah. Which is kind of why I ended up giving it about a five or a six. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, we mentioned, you mentioned as well, the cautions at the end of the race, uh, we went into overtime here. I mean, surprise, shocking. We went no. into overtime in the five hundred. Five of the last six so <laughs> Daytona five hundreds have been overtime. Yeah, uh, but was what was different about this was this was the longest Daytona five hundred ever, like and, ever on record. Yes, and it was only two overtimes. Yeah, and what well, what got me was the amount of laps we ran under caution. 
Yeah, you were talking to me about that earlier today, um, and I kind of noticed it as well. It felt like those cautions were taking a long time. Now, I get it, and I understand that there was big wrecks, and they had a lot of stuff to clean up and everything, um, but it the, the last two overtimes felt like the amount of time it took to run the last 30, 40 laps. Yes, yes. It was, there were at least, it was, the 500 itself was 512 laps. But you add the two laps in at the end of the race where the last caution through was thrown. Yep. So you get about three laps under actual green Yep. out of 14. That's not, I yeah. feel like that's not right. Yeah. And we'll get into this a little bit later too with our different reactions or responses or opinions uh, about the way this race ended, the fact yes. that it ended under caution. Uh, but let's take a step back and walk through speed weeks here. So in the past, speed weeks has always started with qualifying on the Sunday before the 500. Now they've gone away from that uh, the past two years. And now qualifying's on Wednesday evening with the duels Thursday, practice Friday and Saturday, and then the race on Sunday. Um, what did you think of that format again? I'm not a big fan. I think there should be more time in between qualifying and the duels. I, I like. I would like there to be a little bit of practice in between. I would too. Um, qualifying on that Wednesday night just feels weird. Yes. It just doesn't feel like speed weeks. No. Um, and then when you get to the 500, it's like, oh, we're already at the 500. <laughs> um, and it doesn't really feel like the big build-up to the event that it deserves to be. No, we used to have qualifying in the morning on Sundays and then the clash right after. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun um, because you knew drivers were just going out there in a different car and stuff, and you yep. knew that they weren't racing for points or anything, just like the clash at the Coliseum. Yep. Um, but it was f- fed right into Speed Weeks. Now that brings in that whole other question that we brought up last week with the clash and stuff. Um, so I don't think the clash should go back to Daytona, No. um, but finding different ways to incorporate that excitement or build that excitement more around the event down there in Daytona for that week prior, not just a couple days. Yeah. I think there should be more of an event like structure for the entire week and not just Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah. But moving on to that Thursday though, we had the duels. So two dual races, um, you, qualified for the duels based upon your qualifying position or whatever um what did you think so we watched the duels together yes what did you think uh let's start with duel number one what did you think of that duel to be honest i don't remember too much i didn't think it was that memorable exactly because it wasn't they were single file the entire Mm -hmm. time or whatever and you had to wait for your pit stop and then the only thing that really contributed to the ending of that race was strategy based upon when you yep. pitted the chevy screwed themselves over with yep. pitting early the fords and the toyotas hit it right hit the nail right on the head again pitting later and stuff mm-hmm. they cruised to victory in that one um but that was i i didn't enjoy that race at all no and even the open cars weren't really that big of a factor jimmy ran the back so his spot was safe it was yep. down to two drivers and one of them was always ahead of the by like five or six positions and the other wasn't doing very much yeah that duel number one it wasn't very exciting to watch um i think jeff gluck said it best we just ran that entire race to have one lap of racing which was the last lap yep but duel number two was a different story though uh because that one there was (laughs) there was misfortune for kyle bush we'll put it that way 
Yeah. He got destroyed at the front of the field. Yeah. Very unfortunate for that team. He even said it right afterwards, too. He said that that was a Daytona 500 winning car. I guess he brought two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I have to admit, I was pulling for him there at the <laughs> at the end of the 500 um, because that would have been really cool to see him uh, pull that off. Hey, if he'd have been racing in 1998, he would have won. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thinking back to duel number two again, the Chevy showed up for that one. They yes, were the they dominant did. manufacturer there. Um, and that was more of a racing type of duel. We obviously had that caution in there. Um, and then, I, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was more of that two-by-two two action. Yep, a little bit more of that. And it ended up taking out two of the open cars in that crash, right? And then Daly was the one who got in. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yep. Because uh, Austin Hill was taken out by Travis Pastrana yep. in that crash. Yep. Um, and then Connor Daly Connor out, out of nowhere. Mind you, Con- the car who didn't even run qualifying because his oil line exploded. Yeah, oh my goodness. that's That number 50 car should not have been out on the track for the 500. No, it was... And at the beginning of the duels, it was bouncing up and down. Yeah. It looked like it was a Formula One car, yeah. porpoising. Yeah. It didn't <laughs> deserve to be out there on the track because you saw with that team how ill-prepared they were for, yes. the, for the entire week. Yes. It's it's almost like they threw this deal together like two or three weeks before the Daytona 500, which is exactly what I they did. I think that's what the money team does all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that was just a whole sticky situation with them. And I think they paid for it in the 500. Um, because you finished 29th? Well, something like that, but I know he had some oh, yeah. ish- he had some issues or something, um, and he had uh, he lost the lost the lead draft right away and was just riding around by himself. So. Well, him and B.J. McLeod ran together. Okay, well, <laughs> they were both running. <laughs> Daly finished 29th, and McLeod finished 30th. Yeah, so uh, big accomplishment there, <laughs> uh, beating B.J. McLeod out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that number 50 car, I Austin Hill deserved to be in that race. Um, yes. compared to that 50 car. but Yes, he would have done a lot better. Yeah. So overall, thinking back on speed weeks, at least at the cup level and everything, uh, if you had to sum it up in one word, uh, what would you describe the speed weeks, and especially this 500 as? Very boring. Really? Really. I would go with mediocre. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a bad speed weeks or a 500, but it wasn't the greatest so are you still giving the race an eight and a half if it's mediocre if it's me okay i'll bump it down to a seven for you i'll bump it down to a seven (laughs) a seven a seven is mediocre what's five five god this (laughs) is two five the average this is two weeks in a row that you've pinned me in the corner (laughs) um but we're gonna move on see things are already starting to get heated this is the perfect transition into hot takes right you already got me heated here so (laughs) let's go and get hit get some get even more heated here i got a hot take that you're not gonna like so let's get into it it's about to get hot Time for tempers to flare on hot takes. Are you kidding me? Did you even watch the race? No, 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 no. Evan and Joshua have prepared their craziest opinions, and let's say they might not always agree. What the f- are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Dude, I cannot believe you just said that. Make sure you have some ice, because it's about to get hot. It's time for hot takes. Hot takes. 
you heard it there first. It's sizzling in here. It's like we're like <laughs> sizzling pieces of bacon in here. How hot it is right now. Uh, you got a hot take for me. Let me hear it. The Daytona 500 is not that big of a deal. Ooh, it's not that big of a deal. Okay. It does not matter who wins it. It's not worth the hype that it should be. I agree with you that the prestige is not there anymore. It's based on luck now yes. when it comes down to winning the 500. When you look at the drivers who have won recently, Austin Centric, even Trevor Bain, and then Michael, this Mc, year, Michael, Michael McDowell. McDowell, this year with Ricky Stenhouse, it's not that big of a deal to win the 500. Denny Hamlin's won it three times recently. It's not. It's either him or somebody random. It does not feel like it's that big of a deal. Okay, so in some regards, I do agree with you on this, um, but also, it's our sport's biggest event. We still have to market it. It like, doesn't feel like it is, though. As a NASCAR fan, it doesn't. No, no. it doesn't. But if you're a regular old average Joe or Jan or whatever, and you're going to watch a NASCAR race, it's the Daytona 500. I'd rather them watch the championship race. You know, this is tough because, I mean, I completely agree with you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's The championship it's, race is more exciting. It Every playoff race is more exciting, especially the cutoff races. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's a hot take, but I agree with you on this one. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, I'm on your team here. I mean, I'm in your corner. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I agree. The Daytona 500, it's, I'll say it still has its prestige, but because it is the Daytona 500, but winning the Daytona 500 doesn't necessarily mean as much as what it used to back in, let's say, Dale Earnhardt's era. It took him 20 years to win that race. Yeah. Yes, there was still luck involved in that and stuff. So much luck. But um, you saw how it was more down to building the car. Now that aspect of building the car has been completely stripped away from the teams. Yep, that's true. And it is more on all of the cars are the same. So it's just how lucky are you going to get when some other driver doesn't mess up? Yeah. And it's not just how lucky you are. It's how lucky everyone around you is. Too. Yep. Yep. Um, because essentially you can only do so you can only do so much for yourself in that race. It all comes down to the help that you have around you. Yes. Um, and how much they're willing to help you. So hot take, but uh, I agree with you there. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. My hot take is that practice for the practice in general, not even just for the Daytona 500, but practice in general is not needed in the Cup Series anymore. I feel like there should be practice, though. My biggest thing for saying this, I think, now, I think there should be little amounts of practice specifically for the 500 before qualifying and before the duels for those who are inexperienced to just get in the car and get comfortable a little bit. However, if we look at this past weekend as well, we had a practice session on Friday and on Saturday. Teams already got the shakedown on the car throughout the duels. In the Friday practice session, they went out, ran a couple laps, and by a couple, I'm saying ran maybe 10, 15 laps, then they went in and parked it. Um, they were going out to see if their car felt good. If it did, they brought it in and parked it. Why? Because they did not want to want to put more miles on that engine. They didn't want to have to change that engine, and they didn't want to have to change different like valve springs and things within the engine. Because after the duels, I've heard that most of the teams went and changed most of those components of that engine just so it could be good and new for the 500. But what's special about the 500? The duels races. Yeah. No other track 
No other track will give you the duels races for practice. That is essentially the practice of the 500. Yeah. Every other track does not have the opportunity for you to adjust your car beforehand. You need practice for every other race. Now, you don't necessarily need practice for those, those, for those though, because the whole thing is coming down to building that setup in the shop, getting it right and stuff based upon what you've collected in that notebook and everything. The teams who have, the teams who are good at keeping those notes and figuring out what their driver needs will put a decent setup in that car and allow them to adjust it throughout the race. A decent setup. But imagine you bring the car with the best setup right away. You can actually compete immediately after you figured it out in practice. You have you can qualify better, and then you can get into the race better. Then are we going to want these big top dog teams, JGRs, Hendrick Motorsports, Stuart Haas? Are we going to want them in Team Penske? Are we going to want them winning every single weekend? Yes. Uh, because they're the ones who are going to benefit the most from that. Good. It, the lower the lower funded teams. Uh, let's say for example, Trackhouse last year. If we did, if we had more practice time, I think they are nowhere near at the success that they currently have right now. That's fine. I'll let Kyle Larson win 36 races. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that practice is as big of a deal anymore uh, because teams have found that way to use the simulations to their advantage to gain data while they can when they're on the track from previous races and figuring out different ways to to find what setup would work best for their driver. Now, there are still instances where teams just completely miss it. You're right with that. Um, but I think that. that I think that comes down to it now. Like, maybe should there be uh, just a one-hour practice session That's at the exactly start of every weekend? Maybe there should be that or a half-hour practice or something like that just to get a shakedown of the car. So like this past week, like we saw with Chandler Smith and Connor Daly with their issues with their car, get those ironed out. All right, I could see an argument for that. But anything more than that, I think teams, quite frankly, wouldn't go out on track. We saw it no. this weekend, too. With the Saturday practice, there was, what, maybe a handful of teams that went out there and actually practiced? And again, that's because they had the whole hour of the duels for practice. It, you can't use the Saturday practice after for why. But I do agree anything more than an hour would result in cars parking. Yeah, I do think an hour would be a good amount of time for you to have your car and maybe have the opportunity for your car to be alone on track or for your car to be in a group on track. And then you can go out, make adjustments, come back and fix your and have a better car for the start of qualifying and the race itself. I think we found a consensus here. <laughs> one hour practice. We just solved all of NASCAR's problems. Oh, yes. All of them. Every <laughs> single one. Hey, you know, this was a lot tamer than it was last week. Yes, it was. Who knows what next week holds? Not me. <laughs> you know, that wasn't as heated as I thought it might have gotten. No, it was actually kind of tame. I, I, yeah. I'll have to give you credit for bringing a nicer take than I would <laughs> have to set you straight for. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's get back into it here. You know, we, have a, we still have a lot to talk about with the 500. Uh, we both had... Um, well, not my favorite driver of all time in it, but we both, well, your favorite driver of all time was in it. He made that comeback. I know you were excited about that, uh, but let's get that crash course of how we think our drivers did. So let's start with you. Let's start with good old seven time. How do you think Jimmy Johnson did in this 500? I give seven time an A. I think okay. he did really well. And if he would have finished the race, I would have given him an A plus because I think he was in there. He was up there fighting for the lead, and he was doing well. And I think if he would have been there at the end, he would have had a shot. Yeah. 
I would have to agree with that as well. Um, I was very impressed with how he came in, yes. and he picked up this new car right away. Drivers keep saying how this car is so different from the other cars. Granted, it's a super speedway race. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, the same principles still apply. Uh, but, I mean, he jumped in right away, and he was competitive right away. Yeah, he thought the engine was bad after his qualifying session, yeah. but turns out the, the engine just sounds different now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so, yes, it was really good to see his success there. Now, on my side of things with Chase Elliott, uh, going into the race, you know, I kind of had that feeling that it could be his year. Oh, really? Uh, I did. <laughs> yes, I had my Chase Elliott crew shirt and my hat on and everything. I was feeling confident going into uh going into Sunday afternoon. But uh unfortunately someone had some other plans with that and stuff. <laughs> I mean, that was so unfortunate with that wreck too. Yep, yep. Who was it that I can't even remember who it was that came up and just clobbered him. <laughs> but he was almost through that wreck. Uh, naturally it was the very first caution. Too. Yes. He was almost through it. He had the clearing right out in front of him and then was it Ryan Blaney? No, I don't think it was Ryan Blaney. Someone just, the car just snapped on him, hmm. came up in front of him, and just clobbered his front end. So, yeah, that left me disappointed for the rest of the race. Um, but I had I saw some other drivers I was kind of rooting for a little bit and stuff. Uh, we had Kyle Busch out there. I was really hoping um, that first year with RCR and in that Chevy camp, <laughs> if he could go out there and get that, I think he'd be able just to shove that right into Gibbs' uh uh, JGR over there right into their face and stuff that would have been really cool to see I just can't um, bring myself to root for him yet <laughs> not yet oh. maybe you'll warm up by the end of the year or 30 years maybe. <laughs> but what about you you had someone else out out there as well who you yeah like Kyle for. Larson yeah. Uh, I thought he did really really well too he was right there at the end even further than Jimmy he probably should he probably could have won the race had he not gotten one had he not made the one mistake and yeah. gotten shuffled in and then taken out yeah yep um <laughs> i mean you, you you can always say unfortunate but it's just how these races go oh yeah it it's that it all comes down it's that accumulation of all those decisions and it's that one at the end that can really cut you off um and end your chances and stuff that's what it did for him Ricky mm-hmm. Sennhouse Jr. made the right decision, yep. um, and ultimately it paid off for him. And, uh, yeah, got one other person I want to talk about, though. Got to give a shout-out to my dad. Sat there and watched the race with him. <laughs> I went against my instincts, uh, and for Christmas I bought him a Joey Logano championship shirt. And, of oh. course, he was wearing that for the 500, <laughs> um, and he was always shoving that in my face throughout the race. I was... I always had to poke at him, give him some fun. My mom was watching the race, too, with us. She was like, man, Joey Logano, he ain't doing that good. He's back there in the back. <laughs> um, and then he was like, oh, just wait, just wait. Here it was five minutes later. Joey was up in second and stuff. And he's like, see, look. He's like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> and so, yeah, um, Joey Logano, I mean, he is another master at these super speedway races. Kind of when it comes to the 500, too, he kind of just has a knack for it to start off the year. Does pretty well. Finished second in this race. Has a 500 under his belt already. Uh, already checked off that wing column with that too. So, I mean, in the you always got to kind of keep an eye on him, as with all veterans when it does come to the 500. Yeah. Well, except for a couple of them. I feel like they 
like Truex is. I mean, he he almost he's, won the one year, but not really anymore. No. Truex at Super Speedways just doesn't mix. No, they he were, is a mile and a half for life, and that is it. Yeah, what were they saying? The nineteen and nineteen and nineteen. He's and in he the got ni- taken out right away, didn't he? <laughs> he was in the. He's in the car number nineteen. The in race was on nineteenth Daytona five hundred start. His, yep, his nineteenth start, and it was on February nineteenth. So he's yes. like, everything's gonna line up. He wrecked out with 19 to go. <laughs> so, yeah, things did line up, uh, just not the way probably he was hoping for. No. Um, but like you mentioned, some veterans have the knack for it, some don't and stuff. But let's get into this overtime finish or the way this race finished. We talked about how long it took to get through the two overtimes. Now, when it comes to the end of these races, you just know that there's going to be an overtime. You know they're not going to go the scheduled distance. Um, because that energy does ramp up, ramp up towards the end there. Yep. So it, I wasn't surprised at all that we went to overtime, um, but I was surprised with the way the race ended. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that the race would make overtime. I was not surprised that it made a second overtime. I wouldn't have been surprised if it made a third overtime, but NASCAR called the car or the caution was called and nascar called it based the winner based on what was it video evidence of what yeah it was, was video evidence timed with when they push the button for the caution okay uh which i mean i think that might be new for this year because it, it always it used, used to, to be, be the, the last timing zone oh i thought um, it was the moment of caution with the lights no it was when the caution was thrown they went to the last timing loop so throughout the track there's these yes, different timing yes. loops and stuff they'd go to that previous timing loop now it's based upon when they push that button. It's synced with video that freezes the field where it is. Um, and okay, then that's not new then. Okay. But they, they're able to look at yep. that picture and then determine who was ahead and stuff mm-hmm. in the finish from that. So, I mean, what was really interesting with that, though, is it was back-to-back days that NASCAR had to do that. Within the Xfinity series, they had the exact same thing <laughs> the day before. Um, and that took, it was kind of funny, because it was so close in the Xfinity series when it came down to that, that it took them forever to get this figured out. <laughs> so we had three cars sitting there at the uh, tri-oval, just waiting for NASCAR to make the decision <laughs> for like five minutes. It was really funny to see them all three sitting there. Um, but going back to the way the 500 finished, it was climactic, but I want to say it was kind of anticlimactic, finishing under yellow, finishing yeah. under caution. Yeah. I think the caution would have been less was less fun than if the race would have actually made it to the end and we could have seen which driver was actually going to yeah. finish. Yeah. The race back to the start finish line is really fun and I would love to see that again except for the fact that it could get people hurt by it, racing full speed when cars are wrecking. Yeah, exactly. That while I would like to see the race finish under green, I understand and I support NASCAR for calling the race when it ends under caution on the last lap because of the safety aspect, like you mentioned. Um, you never know if anyone could be hurt, and then, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, you'd never want anyone to go full speed while cars are spinning out in front of you, cars not facing the right direction in front of you, and everything like that, too. Um, so NASCAR made the right decision. It's the right process to have implemented. Um, it just, just kind of stinks a little bit that we're not able – to finish the 500 under green, have that photo finish at the uh, uh, checkered flag. Here's a question for you. Do you think that the race should end after the leader takes the white flag, or should it only end if the leader takes the checkered flag? 
if there's a caution with less than on the final lap, should they have overtime again? No. <laughs> no. Because then we're never going to finish the race. This is true. This would have been the Daytona 300. 3,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's it's never going to happen. You're just going to keep doing this over and over and Somebody's over again. Somebody's going to get wrecked so. by somebody to just make sure that the race keeps going. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, like you mentioned there, you just get into a slippery slope there. So yep. with the Raider race, race ended, though, I mean, it is what it is. Um, Ricky Senhouse Jr. was at the right place at the right time. Um, he was able to pull that out. And I mean, it's cool to see him and see that team go on that little victory tour now. Uh, and everything yeah they were in chicago today yeah today tuesday (laughs) when we're recording this whenever it gets out there uh but yeah cool to see that victory tour and i mean the big thing that i know i noticed this right away when it came to ricky senhouse jr winning this race that's one playoff spot already taken that we didn't have any no one had him in that playoff spot nope so there's already one less playoff spot and we're going to be talking about this come the end of the regular season it's going to be just like last year when Sinjerk won right away. Nobody, He wouldn't have made it otherwise. Nobody expected him to make it. Yep. So already one playoff spot taken uh, from by a person who we didn't expect to be in there, taking it away from someone who we uh, might think might get in there. So who knows how the points are going to line out, how many winners we're going to get. But I can guarantee you, come the next time we're at Daytona, we're going to be talking about the 500 and the fact that Ricky Senhouse Jr. won it. Yes, yes. The 500 or the 400 is the last race of the regular season, correct? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Taking a look at the other series that were down there in Daytona, though, we have the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Arca Series as well that all race down there. Now, I watch both the, well, I watch all three of them. Um, and the truck series race, I have to say it was painful to watch, not for the fact because of the racing, but for the fact, because of the weather, we had rain showers and mist and stuff. So, I mean, you got a couple laps of racing in, then you had to stop. It was a start and stop and start and stop. They never actually finished the entire thing. (laughs) Uh, they cut it like 20 or 30 laps short. Um, so I mean, it was, it wasn't something you could sit down and just watch. It was a bunch of starting and stopping. So from that point, it was it was really tough to kind of sit through, but um, Zane Smith went out and won that race back-to-back years that he's won the season opener, so really good for him. He had a good week, qualified for his first 500 there, too. On the Xfinity side, though, uh, like I mentioned, they had that wild finish down there. Sam Mayer went up on his lid and stuff, skated down that back stretch with a fireball of sparks. That was kind of scary to see, but good to see that he's okay. Um but Junior Motorsports, oh my goodness, they completely imploded there. With like five laps to go or something, they had all four cars in the top five. And not a single one of them ended up winning the race. That, they that had sucks. two of them take each other out. They had like oh. another two, like completely bail on each other and take each other out and stuff. It was, oh my goodness. Talk about having a plan and then just throwing it out the window. My goodness. <laughs> That was atrocious for them. Um, but overall, the Xfinity Series race was pretty exciting as well. Like I mentioned, an exciting finish at the end um, coming down to that video evidence. Again, it was so close. They took at least five or ten minutes <laughs> to even figure out who the winner was. Um, but that was really fun to see as well. And then for the ARCA Series, we had a Vancouver native, Greg Van Alst, winning. He was- I didn't even know that he won that. Yeah, he's a 41-year-old driver. Dang. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I do remember that now. Yeah, it was really cool to see his emotions after that. He had a big shout out to all the short track drivers around the country. Yeah, that track was, or that race was very hard to watch. In yeah, the fact that the racing was terrible, not the weather. 
Yeah. Um, the Arca series is just kind of something special. <laughs> yes, we'll just, we'll, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, that kind of ends my list here uh, for what we got over here. That kind of exhausts this past weekend down there in Daytona. I know yeah. there was a lot going on, um, but I think we kind of went in depth on it pretty good. So let's now take a look at where we're going this coming weekend. You've got some questions for me, yes, so I let's do. get into some trivia. <laughs> it's time for Joshua and Evan to expose themselves and see how big of fans they truly are. Um, I don't know. Huh. I have no idea. Bragging rights are on the line as one hopes to stump the other, but sometimes they just know too much. Oh, I know this. Play along and see how much you know. My man Jimmy Johnson always a great guest. When in doubt, chase Elliot it It's out. trivia time here on NASCAR at Night. Time for everyone's favorite segment. I'm kind of nervous uh, on how well I'm going to do with this compared to how you did last week. And you blew me out of the water last week on trivia. But now it's my turn. You've got some questions for me. So let's kick it on off. What do you got? All right. Auto Club theme questions this week. Yeah. Who is the f- record for the fastest lap at Auto Club? Uh, is it Jimmy? No, it is not. It is a qualifying lap by Kevin Harvick. Really? When was that? Do you know? 2018. Really, that recent? Yeah, he ran 38.147 seconds. The fastest lap in a race was set by Kyle Larson the year previous, and it was like 38.7 seconds. Huh, interesting. Who has the most wins, top fives, and top tens at Auto Club? Yeah, Jim, Jimmy. Jimmy, yes. Yes, yeah. All three. What is, yeah. Now, question number three. How many of each does he have? Okay, so wins? Yes. Is it like five? Six. Six, okay. What, What, top fives? Top fives, yep. I'm going to go with eight. Thirteen. Dang. Yeah. Top tens? Yep. Um, I'm going to go with 20. Eighteen. Ooh. Okay. At what track did Jimmy win his first race? It was Auto Club. Yep. yep yeah. Yep. It was out in Auto Club. It was his home track, his home race. Yes, it was his 11th race in the NASCAR series That's in crazy. 2002. Yep. That's crazy. In 20, Here's a question from a different series. In 2012... What IndyCar driver owner won the race at Auto Club? IndyCar driver owner. The only name that's come to mind is an Andretti. Nope. It's a... Carpenter? Yep. Ed Carpenter. Ed Carpenter? For Ed Carpenter Racing. Wow. I remember when IndyCar used to run back there. What was it, like 2015 or something? Yep. They had that incredible <laughs> race out there. Yep. So many lead changes, three wide the entire time. That and was that, a good race. And I believe watch. 2015 was the last time they went out it, there, too. It was because they had that scary wreck down there at ah, the closing scary. stages of the race. All right, question number six. How many current full-time NASCAR drivers have won at Auto Club? Current full-time. Ooh, and man. question number seven is to name those drivers. Oh, man. So, Kyle Larson, for sure, he won last year. He's won He's some won other twice. races out there. Yeah, he won in the 42 out there once. Um, has Joey won there? He has not. Has Kevin Harvick won there? Yes, he has. Okay. Martin Truex Jr.'s won there. Yes, he has. Uh, Kyle Busch? Yes, he has. I'm drawing a blank on anyone else. <laughs> yeah, who, I don't know. Uh, the driver who won in 2020 would be... 2020. Oh, duh, Alex Bowman. Yes. Then you have one driver left. One driver left. He's no longer in the car that he won it with. Still in a top team? Mm, kind of. It's not kind a top tier team. It's the second level. Uh, I, off the top of my head, I, I'm drawing a blank right now. Brad Kozlowski. Oh, okay. Really? 
When did do you know when he won that? Uh, no, but I can okay. find it pretty quickly after this. Okay. And, okay. Question number eight: Auto Club will not hold races in 2024, and it's prep in preparation for its remodel to what? Remodel to a short track. It's going to have Martinsville-like straightaways with Bristol-like turns. Exactly. Question number nine: What was the original name for Auto Club Speedway? I don't even know. All I've heard it is Auto Club or Fontana. California Speedway. Oh, I did <laughs> hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And final question. Who originally owned and built the track, and then what year did it hold its first race? I have no idea. I'm just going to say Bill France. Roger Penske. Oh, well, yeah. What year? Um, Would it be early 2000s? A little bit before that. In the 90s? Yep. 97? Yep. 97. Hey. Nice job, Josh. Nice. Wow. Well, I mean, I did better than I thought I would do there. You're looking up that Brad Kozlowski stat right now, aren't you? Yes. All right. Well, we'll start off with that. Let's go back into our discussion. We'll talk about Fontana and figure out when Brad Kozlowski got that win. So you got to pull it up here. When did Brad Kozlowski get that win? He won it in spring of 2015. Oh, my goodness. I, I <laughs> Now that you say that, I knew that because I remember I was playing this thing with a, with a friend of mine back in middle uh -huh. school. He picked the winner of the 500 and stuff, so I figured I had to go pick someone who I thought was going to go out there and win. Then it wasn't Dale Earnhardt Jr. Leading that, leading that race. He ran out of fuel. Then Brad Kozlowski went and won it, and I picked Brad Kozlowski to oh, win. Oh, nice, so, nice. Yes. Uh, I remember that now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, speaking of Fontana or Auto Club Speedway out there, let's get into what we think this weekend's going to consist of out there. So we got to talk about the elephant in the room. It's the last race on that two-mile track. Maybe. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> NASCAR says they're still t sticking, taking stock, even though they've said it won't host races in 2024. Yeah, I... Who knows? Because, like, what was it? Two? Or, it's got to be, like, three or four years 2020 ago. 2020 was when they announced Yeah, it. 2020. Three years ago, they made that announcement that they're saying, we're turning this into a short track and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then everyone was like, yeah, short track. And now everyone's like, no, not Auto Club. We like the two-mile track. Because Auto Club had amazing racing last year. Yeah, last year it did have incredible racing. Um the track, you can get four wide there. I mean, you never really see it besides on restarts. Uh, it gets single file after that, but it's a completely different type of racing. Even though it gets to be single file and spaced out, you have comers and goers throughout it. You can run the bottom line. You can run the top line and stuff, uh, and it makes for that very exciting racing like we saw last year. Yeah, it was really, really fun to watch last year. Last year, yeah. we had a bunch of people spin out, though. Yeah, we did. Uh, we're trying to figure out this new car. So it's going to be interesting to see if we see that again. And if the, um, tire, oh, the tires are better now, though. Yeah, hopefully the tires are better. <laughs> um, I think Goodyear's done some work with that and everything. Yes. Um, but the one thing you don't want to look at with this race is you don't want to look at the forecast. Um, because <laughs> from what I've heard, it doesn't look very good out there Already? in California. Already, it doesn't look very good out there in California. So uh, fingers crossed we get the race in for the Xfinity Series and for the Cup Series out there. Uh, but who knows what that's going to be like. So <laughs> It's scheduled to rain from Wednesday to Tuesday, a full seven straight days. Is it like good chances of rain throughout as well? Yeah, um, Not great. Uh, Sunday has like an 18% chance of rain at 1 p.m., so it's low. But still, I mean, if there's any amount of rain out there, and it's a two-mile track. Friday and Saturday look like 
very rainy days. Yeah. So that brings in the question, the Xfinity Series race, they got to get that in at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I mentioned, it's a two-mile track, just like Daytona. It can be raining in one corner, sunshine and rainbows in the other corner, um, and you still have to stop to go dry the track. And then drying the track is a completely different (laughs) thing. Since it's two miles long, um, it's going to take forever to dry that track. Yeah, Monday races are kind of fun, though. Oh, man. Is it going to be like Texas again? Are we going to be racing on a Wednesday? Oh, I hope not. Oh, man. That was was painful to sit through that week. (laughs) Yeah. But we brought up the question of will this actually be the last race at Fontana or at Auto Club out there with this configuration? I do have to say that I think it probably will be. I really hope it's not, but I agree with you. Yeah. I will have to say I do like the concept, though, of the short track that they're wanting to introduce. Yes, but do it to Texas. Do it to Texas, yes. Do something to Texas. Please, Lord, help us. Um, (laughs) Bring it back to what it was. Yeah, put it back to what it was. Um, It's like we have Texas at... It's like, I want Texas, but it's like, we have Texas at home. Uh, and Texas at home is what we have for Texas right now. And we don't want that Texas. Yes. We want what Texas used to be. I want good Texas. <laughs> Auto Club is so good. Leave leave it yeah. alone. If it ain't please. broke, don't fix it. No. Texas is broke. Fix it. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I do like how NASCAR is trying to listen to the fans, though. Because you can, back when they made this announcement, that was the talk of the nascar fan base we want more short tracks we want short track racing uh so they made this change um and stuff so it's good to see that nascar is listening to their fans um and you can definitely tell that they are through all the recent changes and stuff listening to their drivers too so you know it would be a good short track to go to that's seven eighths of a mile right down the road i hear it's in a place called newton iowa yeah i, I heard it's owned already by nascar oh really yeah shocking almost like they should go there almost like they really should and they already send the arca cars there almost and the indy car series almost like there. the indy car series rented it out for just a weekend and threw like a must-see event there this past year and they're doing it again for a second year yeah with like a hundred thousand people there between the two days and they brought in these like temporary stands and everything too they brought on this incredible sponsor as well that completely performers amazing performers for back-to-back years yeah how did we somehow just turn this into an iowa speedway promo because we want more short tracks (laughs) obviously that's true (laughs) yeah uh nascar come to iowa speedway please i'm begging you yeah i Please, at least bring either the trucks or Xfinity back there. I just want to see a NASCAR race there. Yeah, Please. not the ARCA series. I promise I'll go. <laughs> yeah, I promise <laughs> I'll go is for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, nice to see NASCAR listening to all their fans. Um, yeah. Yeah. You got anything else? Nope. All righty. Well, let's get into, let's see. Well, that's our closing discussion here. Um well, before we get to that, you know what? Let's talk about some drivers to Go look ahead. at heading into this weekend. That's what else I got on my list here. We got yes. these different drivers to look at. So we mentioned Kyle Larson. He went out and won last year, had a fast car. Are we expecting the same from that Hendrick camp? I'll tell you, the only car I would pick over him is Jimmy, but he's not driving. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take Kyle Larson. Now, how about that RCR camp, though? Austin Dillon went out and finished second there last year. They had a good showing at the Clash and at Daytona. I know that that doesn't say much about going to a track like Auto Club, but that team has momentum built up for both the three car and the eight car, and they had good success there last year. Like I said, Austin Dillon finished second there last year. Tyler Reddick had a good chance at winning, except he got caught up in a wreck. And I feel like Kyle Busch 
already has two wins there at least mm-hmm. so he knows how to race the track so i would say they do have a decent chance of making it they're yeah. like an underdog but not really an underdog yeah that's exactly what i was going to say about kyle bush um he's i do see him as a threat to go out and win this weekend yeah so there's that uh we have eric jones who went out and surprised us last year got that third place finish down there yep. um so with legacy motor club who knows what they're gonna go out there and do him and gregson yeah him do well. him and gregson they could do well now that could be a thing last year of a brand new car um so they might be a little bit behind the behind the horse right now but who knows well they did do pick it up towards the end of the year jones won at darlington so they do, they do yeah. have a good car. Yeah. And just like Trackhouse, I would say. Yeah, and speaking of Trackhouse, Daniel Suarez went out and finished fourth there last year. I'm thinking he has a decent chance again, uh, but also Ross Chastain. Yes, both him and Chastain will have a good chance. It's just a Chevy parade, but yeah. there are a lot of good little Chevy teams right now. There there really are. Trackhouse, out of nowhere, they had both cars in the top 10 at the end of the 500. Yeah, and to be honest, I would throw in Ricky Stenhouse. As a dark yeah. horse. Just yeah. Because why not? Yeah. Actually, he went out there and what? He finished. I think he was a top 10 finisher. Yeah, he finished 10th out, there, 10th out there last year. So, yeah. Who knows? JTG Doherty going back to back to start the season. Man, that would send shockwaves through the NASCAR world. If Ricky Stenhouse wins the second race of the year after winning the first race of the year. <laughs> All hell will break loose. Yeah, yeah, that would be crazy to watch. Uh, but those are the ones to look out for. Obviously, that Hendrick camp as well. Like we've like we've mentioned, I think Chevys are going to be really strong out there this weekend. Yeah, but since we've only mentioned Chevys, do we have any uh, non-Chevy teams that we want to look out for? Well, we mentioned uh, Martin Truex Jr. has won out there before. Yeah. He's hungry this season um, to go and kind of have a comeback season from last year. Denny Hamlin, I mean, you kind of always have to look out for him. So you thinking about Gibbs? Um, I'm thinking Gibbs, but you know who I see the most potential in that Gibbs camp? Gibbs himself? No, not, <laughs> not, not Gibbs himself. Uh, Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell, yeah. He's, he, he finished the last year. Yes, he finished last year on a very high note, had a lot of momentum. I think they're carrying that into this year. I would say arguably that 23-11 has a better chance of winning. Okay. Reddick is – Well, yep, Reddick. Reddick finished well last year. He's yeah. – Bringing all the momentum, Bubba won to a race last year. I think yep. he could, on a mile, it's a mile. Well, it was a mile, excuse me, it was only a mile <laughs> and a half. But still, I think Bubba could do well here too. I think it's yeah. the Fords that have the least chance of winning this week. Yeah, and as we say that, Brad Kozlowski will win a second race or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, out there for RFK. You know, RFK. I don't know what to expect for them on these different types of tracks. That two miles, the mile no. and a half. I don't know. They haven't done well at all in the yeah, mile and a half. I don't know. We'll year. we'll see the with that. We'll see with that. But with that in mind, with the different manufacturers, how they're going to perform, let's get into the last lap. One final chance to place the cards on the table. It's either Wreckers or Checkers. Joshua and Evan have one last lap to give their final thoughts heading into this weekend. It's time to wave the white flag for the last lap. Getting ready to close out the show here. Time for the last lap. So just as a reminder, 
Evan and I each have the amount of time that it takes to complete one lap at the track that we're going to this weekend, which is Auto Club, uh, to get all of our final thoughts out there before heading into this weekend. So for Auto Club, you looked it up. How long does it take to complete a lap out Are there? Are we going for qualifying or for the race lap? Let's go race lap. Race lap is 38.6 seconds. 38.6 seconds. So I have exactly 38.6 seconds <laughs> to get everything out there. Get ready on that timer and let's go. So heading into this weekend, I'm excited to continue the momentum continue the momentum from the daytona 500 obviously ricky senhouse jr has that all of that momentum except they're still going to be relishing off of that daytona 500 victory so i think they're not going to be at the place where they're going to go out there and win and perform like they did last year however they don't have to they just won the daytona freaking 500 um but other teams like hendrick motorsports I think this is where they begin to shine. They always start off the year extremely strong and stuff, so I expect a Hendrick Motorsports driver is gonna go out there and win. Look for the battle between Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. My dark horse though, kind of dark horse, is Kyle Busch. And you've completed your lap. 38.6. Wow, right on time. I wasn't even really kind of pushing it for time like no, it was no. last week. Last week was weird because we had to do 25 seconds, but it was <laughs> yeah. pushing for time, even though 25 is half of a lap. All right, well, your turn. Ready? And Go. All right, so this week I think it's going to be a Chevy parade. I think it was a Chevy parade last year, and I think there's a lot of good Chevy teams out there that are going to continue what they brought in from last year and going and are going to finish well. I don't think we'll see nearly as many wrecks because the tires have fixed or the tires weren't the problem last year, but I don't think we'll see nearly as many wrecks because the drivers have figured out their cars, and now they also won't take the time to get their tires have to get their tires blown up again because they keep deflating on the spinouts. My picks for the weekend are Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and I could see Tyler Reddick winning. In time. Wow. We timed that out perfectly. <laughs> That's like the sweet spot in there. Yeah, that Got was everything really good. in there nice and well. But that is the last lap. Let's go ahead and close out the show. That'll bring our show to a close. We appreciate you for tuning in, taking an hour to spend with us here, get caught up on our thoughts on the day 2500 and get set for Auto Club this weekend. Just as a reminder, the ARC, they're not the ARCA series, my goodness, the Xfinity series. When is that going to be taking place? So the Production Alliance 300 starts on Saturday at 4 p.m. Central Time. All right, then the Pala Casino 400, the Cup Series, is Sunday at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Obviously, you'll have to keep a look out on that weather as well. So I'm <laughs> saying that Xfinity Series race is probably not going to happen at that time, uh, but who knows. So make sure to tune in this weekend to the race. Tune in next week for our thoughts on Auto Club, then getting set up for Las Vegas, where, we, where we'll be heading to next. Uh, and then, if you liked our hot takes, didn't like our hot takes, or if you have a hot take, Make sure to reach out to us on show, on social, on Twitter. It's N at N show. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Love to connect and stuff and maybe have you on the show. Who knows? Uh, but make sure to reach out to us and tell us what you think of the show. Tell us your hot takes. So once again, for Evan Brinks, I'm Joshua Tegas. We appreciate you tuning in and we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to NASCAR at Night, only on The Alternative Edge. Don't miss us next week when we find out how close our predictions came. Until then, keep your wheels steady and your nights open for NASCAR at night.